Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cafe Curiosity, a podcast about experience and discovery. I'm Lorraine, your host, and I'm super excited to delve into today's conversation with you. In fact, I could literally burst into song, but I'll save you my singing voice just for this episode. In this season of Cafe Curiosity, we will be exploring the vast nature of life, its highs, lows, and everything in between through a selection of short stories. After each reading, I will explore some of the themes that come up and how they relate to life in general. I'd really love to hear your thoughts on what comes up for you, so please feel free to share. Today, we'll be reading a story called Passing the Bone, which is interesting because it's set from the perspective of two dogs in an African household. These two characters are called Ninja and Bobo, and I can't wait for you to meet them. Passing the Bone was written by Henry Joe Sakala, a Zambian author, actor, and director. You can find out more about him by following him on Instagram at hjsakala. Remember to listen on after the story for more. And now, Passing the Bone by Henry Joe Sakala. I will not hide anything from you, Bobo, Ninja said. He lay idly with half of his body inside a wooden oblong house, high and wide enough for him to fit in. Bobo was enjoying some milk. This is a strange place, my friend. Someone like you needs someone like me for guidance. I have eyes and ears everywhere. I have heard it and seen it all. He said this with a touch of doubt in the tone of his voice. He had seen everything and heard everything within the confines of his master's house. But Bobo had come home smelling of something unknown, something mysterious. A yearning filled ninja, but rules had to be adhered to. You can't just sneak out and come back home anytime you feel like it. The master will punish you if he finds out. You know his anger is as hot as the scent of the burning charcoal on a brazier. Bobo stopped drinking the milk and lifted up his head in a show of protest, but Ninja stared at him hard and he lowered his head. Wisdom is worth more than all the sumptuous bones you can feast your teeth on. Be wise or else your naivety and foolishness will blind you and make you fall into a deep, dark hole, Ninja said. But it's beautiful out there. You should come with me. Never. Your place, our place, is here. There was a brief moment of silence between the two. The birds flew over them. Cars drove past the slightly open gate and some of the workers could be seen watering the flower and vegetable gardens under the orange rays of the setting sun. For Ninja, this was a kind of beautiful silence he enjoyed and wanted to keep till his dying day. A peaceful bliss that he one day would pass on to the young Bobo, if only he would control his youthful urges. There was wisdom in silence. Tell me about the master, 
Bobo broke the silence. Mr. Haguendo, is he really a good man? To me, he is a good man, but to others, he is a bad man. Why? Bobo asked. You see, the trouble with man... A car arrived at the gate. One of the workers, Gyros, dressed in work clothes and rubber boots, rushed to the gate to open it. He smiled at the man driving the car, revealing a big gap in his front upper teeth. Mr. Haquendo had come. He parked the car in front of the house, got out and entered the house. Gyros, as a matter of routine, removed a bag and some groceries from the car, then, with a smile on his face, followed Mr. Haquendo. Ninja remembered vividly how Gyros had lost his teeth. One day, Master Haquendo caught Gyros stealing vegetables from the garden. The master was so angry he beat him. He punched the teeth out of him and warned him never to steal again. He did not chase him away to rot in the townships. He let him stay and continue with his work at the master's house. Master Haquendo was indeed a good man. Ninja saw Master Haquendo walking out of the house and he stood at attention, waiting for a whistle or a call from Master. Gyros was right behind Master Haquendo, showing off his prized gap. Sometimes Ninja felt Gyros was given too much attention. He had the urge to run to the master, wag his tail and circle around his legs like he used to in his younger years, but he restrained himself. Master would call if he needed him. The master walked out of the house to inspect the work that had been done for the day. Gyros was right behind him, showing off his prized gap. With his tail wagging vigorously, Bobo rushed to the master. Wait! It was too late. Young, energized Bobo was already circling Master Haquendo's feet. Ninja followed slowly. Gone were the days when he had the agility of a cheetah. He used to chase the thieves and bite them, scratch them, much to the amusement of the workers and Master Haquendo. Ninja was at one time the favorite, but now young Bobo had taken over. Ninja was not jealous, only concerned with the uncontrollable nature of the young one. Ninja wished Bobo could hold back some of his energy, save it to attack the master's enemies. He needed to learn more about the master. Master could smile at you today, but sneer at you the next day. The trouble with man. Ninja's thoughts were interrupted by Master Haquendo, who surprisingly started rubbing and patting on Ninja's back. He did the same to Bobo. Bobo was so excited that he started jumping up and running circles around the master. Ninja wished he could tell him to stop, but Bobo was over the moon. Master Hequendo was happy to see the joy in Bobo, and he lifted him and went inside the house, away from Ninja. The young days, thought Ninja, they will come to pass. Soon he will be sleeping right here outside with me. That is when he will know the reason why he is here. He will know the trouble with man. You see, the trouble with man is... Ninja's thoughts were cut short by Bobo, who rushed out of the house with a bone in his mouth. Look what the master gave me, he said enthusiastically. Ninja stared at the bone, wishing it were in his mouth. 
As he grew older, his teeth started failing him. They were like plastics on a rock. Chewing on a bone was like asking an ant to lift an elephant. I'm not jealous, only concerned. The bone reminded Ninja of a time when Master Hakwendo's house was attacked by robbers. It was a dark, cold night, and as routine, Ninja trotted around the house looking, listening, and sniffing for strangers. The master, his family, and his workers were all locked up in their houses, sleeping. It was his time to stay awake and protect his master, a duty that he performed with all his heart. The master, then, had been good to him. Suddenly, Ninja heard a noise, a sound of feet moving in the grass. He had the urge to bark, but thought better of it. He stooped low and searched in the darkness for a movement. The sound of the feet continued, slowly getting louder than the sound of the crickets. Then he saw them, three men dressed in dark clothes with their faces covered in masks. They were armed with sticks and iron rods. They stealthily moved forward towards the master's bedroom window. And when they got there, one of them pulled out an instrument, which he started using to remove the glass from the window pane. Ninja crawled slowly towards them. He spotted the man with the instrument as his main target. He measured the distance between him and the target. He had to make sure that with one leap, his teeth would strike right in the man's face. That would make the others run away in fear. If there was one weakness that men had, which Ninja took advantage of, it was fear. Men were sometimes afraid of their own shadows. Ninja jumped, growling. He landed right on target. The man screamed. Just as Ninja had predicted, the other two ran for dear life. Ninja's teeth dug deep into the man's face. The man tried to fight back. He hit him with his instrument. He tried to push him off, but Ninja was too strong. The man had no chance. The animal had been unleashed. In no time, Master Hakwendo, Jairus, and the other workers came out to help. At the command of his master, Ninja released the robber's face and stepped aside. Master Hakwendo and the workers took turns beating the robber. Afterwards, Master Hakwendo gave Ninja some food, bones and meat. One bone was so hard to chew, Ninja kept it in his kennel as a memento of the day he was elevated as top dog of the Hakwendo household. Now, Bobo was here. Later that day, they were lying outside Ninja's house. They had just had their lunch and as usual, Ninja had had leftovers from the house while Bobo had milk and custard. It was Bobo's time to enjoy the niceties from Master. They would make him grow strong and brave. Some of these people are a problem, Ninja said to Bobo. What makes you say that? They come here begging for food from the Master, and the Master, in his kindness, gives them my food. Sometimes I have to go hungry because of them. That's sad. Yes, they get my food. They have no shame. Why do they do it? They are what man calls poor people, beggars. If you see them around this place, chase them. Be very vicious. 
If you do not, they will get your food. Strange creatures, these humans, Bobo said, and he yawned widely. Yes, agreed Ninja, as he stood up and stretched his body. The afternoon sun was so hot that the two friends moved into the shade. Do you like the master's woman? Ninja asked Bobo. I think so, replied Bobo. Why does he call her Honey? Is she descended from the bees? Ninja let out a melodious growl so sweet it sounded like music. He parked at Bobo playfully. Bobo parked at him too, and in no time they were rolling over each other in a mock fight. Ninja allowed Bobo to overpower him. He fell down while Bobo climbed on top of him, kicking and scratching lightly. Ninja got away and ran. Bobo gave chase. They chased each other away from the house. Bobo suddenly stopped. Ninja watched him. What is it? Do you know why I like to escape from this place? Tell me. I don't like these restrictions. Yes, he is my master, our master, but he must allow us to explore this world. This world is beautiful. I'm shocked that you have spent all these years locked up in here. There is a world out there, Ninja, a world that you have to smell and feel on your paws. What do you know of this world? You are only but a puppy. Don't go out there if you want the master to continue being nice to you. Men say, let sleeping dogs lie. I refuse to be confined. I need to be free. With that, he bounded to the far end of the yard along the wall fence. Ninja followed him. Bobo stopped at a spot. Down the wall was a hole that led to the outside of the master's yard. Bobo looked at Ninja and then at the hole in the wall. Do you want to smell, feel, taste the world out there? Bobo asked. The master will punish us, snapped Ninja. He is not even home. We will be back before he comes. I want to show you something beautiful, Bobo insisted. Ninja hesitated. Deep inside, he wanted to explore more of the world. He had few years to live. He knew it. He could feel energy waning from his body with each day that passed. Surely, he deserved some time to have fun, some time to run free, bark the last bits of energy out of him, dig the soft, dark soil for rats, chase the butterflies in the wild, such bliss he had missed. Bobo's big brown eyes begged him to come. Let's go, Ninja said. They ran through the bush until they came up to a clearing. Ahead of them, Ninja saw many houses, different from Master Hakuendo's. They were much smaller and had no wall fences around them. He saw men and women walking about, all looking busy, each one going somewhere. There were mountains of rubbish right next to where the houses were, and on some of them, there was smoke billowing into the sky. Ninja and Bobo slowly walked closer to the houses. The smell of the rubbish, mixed with that of the general surroundings, teased Ninja's nose. With each house that they passed, he heard music playing, and it made his hairs move. There were different sounds everywhere. 
a baby crying, a mother singing as she pounded in the mortar or sorted the vegetables while sitting on a reed mat, the sound of children running around on a bare dusty ground chasing a ball. Their laughter at play made Ninja feel like he had entered a world of blissful showers. His legs felt the softness, hardness, warmth, and cold of the soil with each step that he took. Boba was ahead all this time, leading the way. They finally arrived at a site where a mountain of leftover food towered over them. This was the life he was missing. He turned to Ninja. His eyes glowed. Ninja dug in as a blind man revels at his first sight of a flower garden or a museum's walls. Bobo joined him. They ate all they could. This was the freedom that intoxicated Bobo. This was the life that Ninja craved for but did not have the power to attain. He needed to break free from the chains that bound him. Would a moth keep away from the flame? Would a bee keep away from the sweet nectar in a flower? Would a dog walk away from a sumptuous bone? Life was more enjoyable without being bound by man's rules. The sun was setting. The mountain of leftover food still stood tall. They lay down beside it, their tummies full and their appetites satisfied. Ninja stood up. Even though he felt like he had tasted a piece of heaven, he knew he was still Master Hakwendo's dog, and the master's rules still had to be adhered to. We must go. They walked back home in silence. When they arrived, they found a police car parked on the yard. A group of people had gathered outside. Something was wrong. Mr. Hakwendo came out of the house, accompanied by a policeman. From their conversation, Ninja learned that thieves had broken into the house and had stolen some valuable property. The funny thing is, Mr. Hakwendo said as his wife joined the group, the dogs didn't even bark, not one sound. Oh, you call that ninja a dog? asked Mrs. Hakwendo. He is as useless as a frog. Ninja and Bobo watched them as they spoke their slander. Ninja knew trouble was coming. He turned to Bobo. The young puppy stood there with his tail between his legs, looking like he was about to pee. All the fire for freedom was gone. All that surrounded him was fear of the impending punishment. You see now? See what your quest for freedom has gotten us into. Master Hakwendo will forgive us. You see, the trouble with man. Suddenly, Mrs. Hakwendo turned to them. There they are, she shrieked. Those two stupid dogs. My television, CD player, iPad, laptop, my smartphones, all gone. And you couldn't even let out a sound. Futsack, screamed Mr. Hakwendo. He picked up the nearest stone and threw it at the dogs, missing Ninja's head by an inch. With their tails between their legs, the dogs ran away into hiding. Nighttime. Ninja and Bobo sat outside in the cold. No food had been served to them. If not for the food they had eaten at the mountain of leftovers, they'd have starved the whole night. No food for them, 
and Master Hokwendo still expected them to do their duty. Bobo was saddened and confused by the whole series of events. He wondered where Master Hokwendo's love and compassion for him had gone. Was it not he who had joyously lifted Bobo up and gave him the bone? Maybe Ninja was right. Man was indeed trouble. I'm disappointed with the master, Bobo snapped. This is not fair. Man, Mr. Hakwendo, he can't appreciate anything that you and I do for him. He can't even appreciate his own wife. Do you know that when Mrs. Hakwendo is not home for many days, Mr. Hakwendo brings another woman here? No. Keep your eyes open. Is that the trouble with man? Ah, man. He changes his moods like a chameleon changes its colors. But why do we serve him? It is our purpose. What is man's purpose? He doesn't know. What a shame. Our job is to serve the master. We must bite off the flesh of the master's enemies. They shared the kennel that night. They slept until midnight. Then they went around the house looking for intruders. They barked at anything that moved in the grass. Suddenly, there was noise at the gate. Someone opened the gate and entered the yard. He was carrying a bag and was dressed in dirty clothes. He must be a beggar. The dogs barked and then pounced on him. The man screamed for help. Mr. Hakwendo rushed out of the house and kicked the dogs off the man. The dogs moved aside, growling and barking ferociously. I'm sorry, Uncle Chimunya. Ninja heard the master apologizing to the man. Come in. I will deal with these dogs tomorrow. Mr. Hakwendo and Uncle Chimunya entered the house. Why did the master kick us off that man? Bobo asked. The man we attacked is his uncle. Are we in trouble? Yes. The master said he will deal with us tomorrow. The trouble with man is... Bobo could not find the words to continue the sentence. In the morning... Mr. and Mrs. Hakwendo walked out of the house with smiles on their faces. Ninja and Bobo greeted them with wagging tails and musical growls, hoping and praying that the master would not punish them for biting Uncle Chimunya. That was good work, said Mr. Hakwendo, as he ran his fingers up and down Ninja's fur. Yes, agreed his wife. That will teach the old bugger to notify us before visiting. The couple got in their car and drove off. The two dogs watched them go. Man, thought Bobo, what a strange animal. I'm happy to be a dog. Ninja led Bobo back to the kennel. He entered while Bobo waited outside. Ninja came out with his souvenir bone between his teeth. He put the bone down before Bobo. What is this? Bobo asked. Now that you know the trouble with man... It is time for me to step aside and let you take over the work around this house. This is the bone of authority. Keep it proudly, Ninja said. Although Bobo was sad, he could not help but feel a pinch of happiness at the fact that he had been given authority. He was the top dog of the Hakwendo household. Ninja yawned and lay down. He had seen everything and tasted all that life had to give. Bobo turned three times and lay facing the open gate to wait for the master's return while he chewed on his bone and contemplated the trouble with man. 
He had seen the other side of the world, felt it, tasted it, and he would go back there. Freedom made life so beautiful. The end. I have mixed feelings about this story. I think that um, when I first read Passing the Bone, it reminded me of our family dog growing up. She was called Spotty, even though she didn't have spots. And Spotty was very popular with the male dogs in the neighborhood. She wasn't spayed, so we ended up with lots and lots of puppies. How that happened, I'll leave to your imagination. In those days, dogs had very specific names. I remember dogs were called Tiger, Rex, Danger. And I think this had to do with the role dogs played in our homes. They weren't necessarily pets in the cuddly companion way we have become accustomed to today, but more there for security to protect homes from thieves, just as we heard in Passing the Bone. I remember how gates in our area used to have that sign that said, beware of the dog, with a picture of a really menacing dog on it. And you would avoid that gate or yard because you thought that this really gnarly dog might jump out and rip you to shreds. In rural areas, dogs were used to herd cattle and kind of part of the workforce. And if you go further back in history, dogs were used for hunting. There's archaeological evidence of domesticated dogs in Africa during the 1400s when Iron Age hunters came down from the north. I believe that some remains of these domesticated dogs have been found near South Africa's border with Botswana. And this is backed up by cave drawings showing hunters with iron ore spears accompanied by dogs. All this says to me that even here in Africa, dogs have been man's best friend way before the colonial days and that they played an important role in the day-to-day -day lives of people back then. Coming back to passing the bone, I mentioned that I had, you know, some mixed feelings. And I think that one of the key themes that came through for me was how we have these different roles in life. Master Hakwendo represents a typical boss man that we have all experienced. I don't think he was particularly a bad man, but more a product of his environment in terms of how men should be in that I'm the head of the household, I'm in charge way. I also felt that everyone was a bit like a dog to him in that um, they were there to serve him. And for that reason, they were all replaceable. Think of how Ninja observed that he brought a mistress home when his wife was away, which was kind of like, geez, like respect her home and you know, I don't know the dynamics of their relationship, but that was a bit sketchy. Even if you think also of how Bobo was lined up as a replacement for Ninja, I get that Ninja was getting old and that he would not have been able to guard the house and like tech intruders with the same strength and viciousness um, as he had when he was younger. But that transfer of affections, that no looking back callousness was real and very abrupt. 
Going back to Ninja, he spoke to me in a personal way. I felt like he was that dependable big brother that I know I have. He was wise from his experience, compliant and obedient. Perhaps he'd been burnt along the way, like one too many times, and had become used to playing it safe. At some point, I wished he would break free and go wandering about the neighborhood, eating from the rubbish dump to his heart's content and just experiencing that carefree freedom um, that he, he admired and yearned for when he observed Bobo. Bobo was all energy, the boldness of youth with a zest of life that was infectious. In his childlike awe, the world was just such a beautiful place, ripe for exploration. And this saddened me a little bit because at the same time, he was ready to take on this role that had been set out for him because his purpose was quite clear. And I wondered if he too would become like Ninja after a while. Thinking of myself and these roles in life that we all have, I feel like I was ninja before I became Bobo. I know this seems the wrong way around, as one would typically lose that youthful exuberance over time when life's wins and losses have taught you a few lessons. But in my case, there was a very definite plan and way of life that one followed, and don't get me wrong, it was never written down, but you know how these expectations seep through from generation to generation and are exacerbated by that keeping up with the Jones illness that affects most of us at one time or another. I was full on ninja in my 20s uh, to my early 30s, and even though you would have gotten a very different perception of me from other people. I think came across as a bit of a free-spirited adventurer who was skipping to her own beat, but that wasn't really the case. A lot of who I am or how I was had to do with my sense of belonging. And that came from my family moving countries when I was young. And it was an age where I had all that teen angst and that finding and expressing oneself happening. The move was challenging because I was caught between two different worlds. And then fast forward to the working world and it imposes its own culture on you and even more confusion all the time you're carrying all of these unresolved issues from earlier on. Uh, very, very chaotic and a lot of inner turmoil. What was clear to me was that there was a way to navigate all these systems. And since I love to win, I quickly learned the game and I did very well at it on a very outward level. A bit like how Ninja had figured out his world. Then one day I thought, geez, what is this? And found myself asking the question Bobo asked, what's man's purpose? And more directly, what is my purpose? And so my Bobo was born rather unexpectedly, but needed at the time. It was necessary. It's been a tough, challenging journey and it's ongoing. I don't think it ever ends. When you think you've figured it out, you actually haven't. So you feel like you've taken a few steps back. With all that said, I think it's opened me up to many wonderful experiences that have been rewarding on a soul level. The greatest gift is the connectedness I feel with the world in general 
and the people in it. I feel like I am a part of something and that there's this inner sense of belonging that grounds me and, and makes me feel part of even the greater global community. My question to all of you is, are you a ninja, a bobo, gyrus, or master haquendo? Somehow, I think that as people, we are far too complex to be just one of them. Life's a journey, and its twists and turns may call on us to channel any one of these characters to make it through. I hope you've enjoyed this reading of Passing the Bone. Join me next week for another episode of Cafe Curiosity. Music